This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 8th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Almost a decade before September 11th, the Drug Enforcement Administration started its own bulk phone records collection program, and it covered almost every phone call made to more than 100 countries across the globe. Julian Sanchez, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, offers this analysis. Since the uh, Edward Snowden revelations concerning NSA's bulk collection of domestic telephone records, we've learned that that program had several precedents, and uh, USA Today has now revealed perhaps the most extensive of them, a bulk collection program uh, that targeted some 116 different countries and collected uh, metadata, uh, telephone records concerning American phone calls to uh, all of those countries. This is uh, essentially most of the countries around the world that the United States recognizes. Uh, And it shows that the legal theory, the extraordinarily disturbing and legal theory underlying the uh, government's bulk collection of domestic phone records, uh, in fact, got its start much earlier. This is a program that was launched almost two decades, uh, or almost a decade before uh, 9-11, the 2001-9-11 attacks, began in 1992, uh, and seems to have operated on the same theory, because the authority that was used here is a Justice Department uh, and DEA authority uh, to subpoena uh, records and other, other tangible things that are relevant and material to drug investigations. Um, and so the theory on which they have to have been operating is essentially all calls to hundreds of countries are relevant to drug investigations, not obviously because most of those phone calls relate to drugs. Of course, the vast majority don't. Um, But the theory must have been, well, the whole database of calls is relevant um, because we can search through it and then find the particular ones that are relevant to our drug investigations. So now perhaps we understand a little bit better why uh, that theory, uh, which seemed so extraordinary, I think, to a lot of legal uh, legal analysts, was able to pass muster with the FISA court. It also, frankly, reveals just an astonishing gap between uh, what the public knows about the law and how law enforcement operates. Uh, You know, people were astonished to discover that something on this scale was happening when it was being used to target terror groups. And now we learn, in fact, it was used not just for that, uh, but but something similar was used to target uh, drug traffickers and indeed was used in a wide range of other investigations. This is in some ways a more limited program. It didn't include, it seems, the collection of completely domestic telephone records. So there was... uh, a way in which then it may have exploited a potential loophole in the law identified actually by uh, by government lawyers in 2010 with respect to national security letters. That is to say, uh, the the statute, the Electronic Communications Privacy Act that protects our uh, digital records from government seizure uh, without some kind of court process uh, does have a little section that says, except nothing here should be construed to uh, limit the ability of the government for foreign intelligence purposes to get uh, communications related to 
uh, international and foreign communication systems. Uh, and so because these are foreign drug cartels that uh, are technically foreign powers, um, you can imagine that being how they were able to circumvent the normal process uh, that is required to get telecommunications records. Um, but we, so we see, you know, one, uh, just a really massive collection that seems to have slid under either congressional and certainly under public uh, scrutiny. You also see, I think, how this undermines to some extent many of the defenses that have been raised of the NSA's bulk collection program. We've heard again and again, well, if only we had had something like this 215 NSA program uh, before 9-11, we would have perhaps been able to detect uh, the... Uh, the plot before it was able to bring down the towers and attack the Pentagon. Well, it turns out we did, in fact, have such a program. Uh, it was, again, a little bit more limited, but it, if it was targeting international calls, should have served the function. Uh, they're saying the NSA program could have served, which is uh, realizing that one of the calls to a Yemeni safe house um, was from a U.S. number uh, and allowed them to follow up on that person. Um, it also, I think, explains some stories we've seen uh, from Reuters over the past year concerning a process called parallel construction. Parallel construction is when uh, essentially, the DEA or other government agencies tip state and local law enforcement, uh, say, well, we think you ought to look into these phone numbers or these people um, because they may be related to drug trafficking. And then in order to protect the intelligence source of those tips, uh, the government basically, the local and state law enforcement officials essentially phony up, gin up their own investigation to sort of explain how they got on the trail of their targets. Uh, and disturbingly, I think, for, for due process purposes, they then uh, routinely conceal the truth of how their investigation initiated from, uh, from judges and certainly from defense counsel and the suspects themselves. Um, so we now understand that this is, this is something that's been going on since 1992 and ought to raise, I think, profound questions about both um, our ability to, to effectively oversee and control the activities of our own law enforcement and intelligence agencies. Um, this program in particular was finally shut down in 2013 once it became clear to the government that the NSA program was, in fact, hugely controversial with the public. And uh, so shutting this down, I think, enabled them to deny that there were any other bulk collection programs in operation. Now, this is odd because uh, this was something that, it, that was approved, as you note, in 1992, but it was in the final months of the George H.W. Bush administration. So I guess what's the, what's the case for doing that at that time? You know, that's a good question. There's, there's nothing in the... USA Today story that suggests the proximate rationale. I mean, we hear a lot about midnight regulating, which is our right. regulations that are sort of rushed through uh, at the end of an administration. But this is uh, well, you know. So it's clear that the Clinton administration was aware of this program. Again, it was uh, it was used in 1995 during the Oklahoma City bombing to rule out potential. Uh, foreign contacts or foreign influences on uh, the, the perpetrators in that case. Um, I think what this goes to show is, is really in part uh, the political scientist Michael Glennon's thesis that the deep state, the intelligence community, the security state constitutes a kind of additional government that transcends uh, party divisions. It is, you know, maybe in a sense the ultimate uh, sort of vision of bipartisan unity. Uh, 
whoever is president, whichever party controls Congress, uh, there is a core of uh, of deep state security officials uh, with continuity across administrations uh, who you know, are in many ways immune to the vagaries of politics, in part because so much of what they do is secret and therefore fundamentally unaccountable. Human Rights Watch has sued over this. They argue that uh, their own work is being put in jeopardy through the collection of this data, and they argue that it is this has been aimed squarely at Americans. So how differently does the government and do courts treat uh, phone calls that are intra- state and interstate, that is, uh, beyond the borders of the U.S.? This is actually a, a, a tricky question uh, in many ways and, and, a, and a sort of under-litigated um, area to look at. Um, again, there's a section that has, I think, largely been ignored until uh, around 2010 when it started getting some attention, um, uh, but an exception in the electronic communications privacy statutes concerning records that relate to uh, foreign and international communication systems. I think that was just imagined as being something that said that the domestic law doesn't limit what um, can be done with respect to collecting information from uh, you know, uh, overseas pipes or, or from uh, other kinds of communications channels outside the U.S., um, when in fact it seems pretty clear that it's been used by multiple government agencies uh, as a way of saying that the phone companies now have the ability to turn over uh, voluntarily and without court process the, um, the, the, the records of Americans calling out to other countries. Uh, you know, there's one sense in which this is less troubling, the NSA program, again, because it doesn't include purely domestic communications. Um, and so it's a, it's a more limited subset. It doesn't as directly affect purely uh, domestic, uh, you know, for example, political relationships or other things that should have, would relate to patterns of abuse we've seen in the past. But in another, it's much more troubling because what it shows us is that it's not just with court approval and under, uh, you know, ignored often, but in theory somewhat strict, uh, court-mandated procedures for searching the database that the government is doing this kind of bulk collection. Rather, the authority involved here did not require any court of court oversight or approval, and reportedly, this is a database that the DEA was searching more times per day than the NSA database was searched per year. Uh, and you know, no surprise again, because there's no court in the mix. Uh, I think a big question that raises for for us ought to be, you know, not just how was this used and how was perhaps the due process of criminal defendants in this country violated in drug investigations, but if this is a theory that's been around for decades, um, how many other agencies believe that they have the ability, using tools like national security letters and administrative subpoenas, to do bulk collection without court approval? Uh, it appears that, the, that they may just believe that um, relevance has, since the 90s, had this incredibly elastic quality, allowing not just phone records, but any tangible things, any records, to be obtained in mass um, on the theory that everything is relevant if every, something might be relevant. And it's, it's important to note that Eric Holder, the current U.S. Attorney General was uh, during throughout the 90s a deputy U.S. Attorney General uh, under Janet Reno. Now, one one question that I want to ask that uh, 
I don't want to be too cynical in bringing this up, but from the USA Today story, they quote a Justice Department spokesman as saying, quote, or saying the DEA is, quote, no longer collecting bulk telephony metadata from U.S. service providers. So from what we've learned in the past couple of years about how these kinds of things are worded, that doesn't really answer any questions. Yeah, no, I mean, every every adjective in any statement from an intelligence official should be, um, should be, I think, almost interesting, inverted and read as, you know, meaning we're getting it here instead. So when they say, you know, we're no longer doing that under this program, it means uh, we're doing this under another program. If we just if we're not doing it currently, it means we used to do it and we intend to do it in the future. Or we're not um, we're not getting it from U.S. service right. providers. We're getting it from international carriers or right. something. I like mean, that. one thing that's become clear is that the partnerships between intelligence agencies, in particular the the the, um, the U.S. and the GCHQ and the other five eyes. Uh, intelligence agencies is extremely tight, and so um, you know, and indeed, under Executive Order Twelve Triple Three, to the extent that this is data they can obtain, uh, essentially by by direct monitoring of international cable pipes, um, that would essentially fall outside the the, the scope of U.S. law. Um, I think this program was canceled in order to allow them, as they have, you know, repeatedly insisted since. Um, the Snowden disclosures that the 215 program, the bulk telephony program NSA conducts, is currently the only bulk collection program. Now, bulk collection is also actually defined uh, quite quite narrowly by the government, so uh, to, to exclude anything involving a target. So if I say, give me all the records for phone for phone numbers in Portland, that's bulk collection. If I give you the Portland phone directory and say give me the records for all these numbers, that is, in theory, targeted and not bulk collection. Uh, but even even adopting their broad definition, um, they've been able to say, well, this is the only uh, domestic bulk program. Uh, I assume that's, again, why this was discontinued. But they have so many authorities and so many mechanisms that it's, it's uh, really difficult to know when to take a denial seriously. Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.